It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy and Carrie. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies right here on KTXW 101 FM and 1120 AM, The Bridge, Austin. Central Texas Christian Talk. I am Coach Carrie Brinkader, and I am joined today by two beautiful love ladies. Of course, our dear friend, Kathy Enderbrock. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Good morning, Coach Carrie. Great to be with you. It's a beautiful time in Austin, Texas. I'm so excited about what we're talking about today. It's so needed right now. And listening friends, boy, you're going to want to gather people around you, turn up the volume and uh, go to Facebook and share a link with your friends. This is a great program today. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. And we have in studio with us beautiful Marlene McMichael. Welcome, Marlene. Well, thank you and good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us again, Marlene. Um, We're going to be sharing some special time today. Friends, our program today is titled Shedding the Stigma of Shame. You know, I, here we are. It is, um, the end of the month of April. We are heading into May, May. Wait, it's May. That means (laughs) my kid is graduating this month. Um, and I'm so excited about that. But honestly, friends, how are you doing? Here we are. We're, uh, again, end of April, beginning of May. I'm currently going through a book by Andy Stanley. It's called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And Andy Stanley is, um, you know, a pastor's kid and, uh, he's got a unique perspective on a lot of things. And the first chapter is titled, Are You Being Honest With Yourself? Really? <laughs> and, um, it has, uh, challenged me to think about things in, uh, very different ways. It encourages us to be honest with ourselves. Um, and even when it makes us look bad. You know, even those little things that we don't want to be super honest about. And so that's been pretty interesting. And I, I'm mentoring a couple of teenagers right now. And as our conversations, um, I guess, uh, kind of turn to more serious, um, you know, like halfway through our time together, I keep hearing these these words of guilt and shame. And they're just kind of permeating these conversations. And the enemy is just at work in not only our young people friends, but, but all of us. And we have to be really careful to recognize when the enemy is just attacking us with this voice that tells us we're not enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so today we're going to explore these terms, guilt, shame, ashamed, and why we carry it, how it affects us and how we move forward from these habits, these thoughts that are keeping us from living the life that the Lord has for us, a full life filled with joy and a life that is redeemed by the blood of our Savior. Um, friends, this might be a little heavy topic, but man, the, the, the insight from Kathy and Marlene is going to be so valuable. And I know that probably something along these lines is permeating your conversations and it might be affecting your life as well. So our key verse today is from Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne full of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay, friends. Wow. You know, we're going to be getting into it today, guilt and shame. But before we just head and dive, dive head first into all of that, what is going on in your world, friends? Kathy, what about you? Well, I am so excited about meeting David Barton and his beautiful wife, Cheryl, on Sunday. I'm, we're going to be setting up for the Governor's State Prayer Breakfast for National Day of Prayer over at the Kalahari Resort. And um, so after we set up, we're going to go out to dinner. And um, for those of you who joined us last week, you will know David Barton very well at this point. He's the founder of Wall Builders and named one of the top 25 evangelical um, or one of the top 25 most influential 
evangelicals uh, in our time and just an incredible, incredible man. I am excited to meet the wife behind the incredible man. So <laughs> looking forward to having dinner with them. And then, you know, Monday, the state prayer breakfast. I'm so excited for and just getting to get together with hundreds of Texans from around the state to pray for our nation, to pray for this state. And Governor Abbott is going to be there. David Barton, of course, is the keynote speaker. And um, I was talking with the organizer, Jim McGee. He's uh, with the National Day of Prayer Task Force for Central Texas. And he said, there are still some seats available. And if you go to ndpaustin.org and you just click on shop and it'll show you all of your different options. Seats are $50 a seat and um, you can still get those. I, I don't know if he has a full table available, but if it is, it'll be there on the shop. A table is 10 people. So you can get, get those in. Um, friends, I'm just looking forward to meeting you as well. We have a couple Love Talk listeners who want tickets and are going to be seating, sitting with us at our table. And, uh, that's Ashley Backus and her friend. And Ashley, we're just so excited to have you with us. And any other friends, Lord, come or any other friends, um, that are coming, just come in. We're going to be at table 64 towards the back. That's where media sits. And we would love to meet you and give you a big hug and, um, just hear about how you're listening to Love Talk and the difference that it's made in your life. I think we're going to be interviewing a few people who stop by and say hi. Wonderful. Well, Marlene, what is going on in your world? Well, we've talked about this before, but as people know I'm retired now. The only problem is I never knew you could be retired and so busy. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's been really fun. I mean, I'm reconnecting with family. I'm reading books that I've wanted to read and that have just stacked up over the years. And I'm running through a to-do list in my house, and I'm just about finished. So I'm really glad for that. Also working on some of the future Love Talk shows, and I am really excited about what's on the horizon for our listeners because it's just exciting to meet these engaging, you know, people that love the Lord and are doing great things across the country and across the nation and, and, and I mean, the state. And so it's, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we've got some great things planned for us. And then today I'm going to go vote. So we are in a city and school board uh, election. Uh, early voting runs through May 3rd and election day is May 7th. So everybody get out and remember to vote. That is awesome. so important, engaging and voting and knowing the candidates. Now, now, Marlene, do you ever like on Facebook, if someone asks you about who to vote for, do you ever do you ever say like, hey, this is who I'm voting for? Uh, I probably wouldn't do it on Facebook, but I'm I'm certainly uh, not shy with my opinions. <laughs> okay. So Yes, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, um, there are. Fortunately, in some of the seats, I'm really excited because even in some of the runoff seats um, for the general election um, or for the actually that was the um, uh, primary election, they're good, two good candidates. And that's rare. So Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's 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 easy and sometimes it's you really got to do your your homework and find out who you're where you're going to cast that vote. So, I, I mean, I know that you know kind of everything behind the scenes. I mean, basically, I just want to vote for whoever you want to vote for because I know you know all the backstories. You know <laughs> you know what these guys have been doing for the last decade and who's really ready to step into that role, who really is, uh, you know, has strong values and strong moral character that will w- really withstand the onslaught that will come at them once they step into that elected role. But for where do you go like if if you would say hey if 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 someone wants to find out where they can uh vote or who the candidates are for the precinct that they're in do you have a go-to spot for that on the local elections there isn't a go-to spot but um but there are um you know usually there are editorials in the newspaper so I live in Georgetown, for example, and there have been editorials for weeks in uh, the newspaper saying why people are voting for which candidate. 
And so there's that. But, I mean, talk to people. Uh, there are people across your, your community that know these candidates. Otherwise, they wouldn't be running. So talk to people. Ask questions. If there are candidate forums, go to those forums and ask questions from the audience and, and find out what they believe and why. Uh, there probably isn't a more important election than this election Principally because this is where local politics starts, is in the city council and the school boards. And this, the school boards govern what your children see and hear in school. And so um, if you care about that, and I think all our listeners do, uh, it's really important to find out what kind of issues are important to the, the people that are running for the, the local school board. Um, and... And, you know, how that stacks up against your own values. It's just, it's key. Okay. So we have to do a little bit of homework, but friends, go to Google, go to Safari, go to Firefox, and (laughs) do some homework. It is worth it. Carrie, what have you been up to? Oh, my stars. Um, Well, yesterday my daughter presented her final paper. It is the culmination of her experience really in classical education and um, it's called a thesis she wrote a 25 page research paper and then somehow um, it pared that paper down to a 22 minute presentation that she gave and then uh, she defended her thesis against a a panel of experts that were peppering her with questions (laughs) and um, I am just so incredibly proud of her. I mean, Kathy, I know you've been through this twice already, um, but man, just the pride that you feel for your child as they get up and they look so professional and they speak winsomely and they they answer questions logically, um, it is just, I, I can't even explain the sense of pride that I feel for her, um, and I think she might just sleep for the next 16 hours honestly um <laughs> bless bless her um it's been you know how stressful it is leading up to the day of the day of the day that it all happens and um she was first um of her class to present so actually i think she kind of enjoyed that um <laughs> set that she set the bar pretty high um and i'm just, just so proud of her um i hope to have her on the program um hopefully before she leaves for college oh she chose college everyone oh, um, she she is going to be heading to lipscomb university in nashville tennessee it's oh. a small private christian college uh university in nashville about 5,000 students i'm super sad that it's 12 hours away I wish it was like three hours away um but uh we are so thrilled for her I do have to tell y'all a funny story um she told us one night at dinner that she had finally decided and so my husband Ashley and I we were very excited for her and the next day uh, in our inboxes we have these emails you know welcome to Lipscomb University and orientation will be on these dates and I got a call from my husband randomly he hardly ever calls me during the day it's like 10 30 in the morning he goes um Carrie um I I need a little help with some emotions and feelings that I've got going on right now. <laughs> For our listening friends that know our husbands, um, that is hilarious because typically my husband just seems like he's got it all together, like things don't bother him, like he can just knock everything out of the park without really um, too much hassle. But it was so funny when he called and said, I'm just – I've kind of got this pit butterflies in my stomach. What is that? What <laughs> I said, babe, our, our little girl is going away to college and you're feeling a little, a little conflicted. You're happy and sad. He's okay. I, I, you know, it was just, um, it was just great. So, um, yes, just a, a wonderful time, a wonderful time. Well, friends, when we return to love talk with coach Carrie, Kathy and Marlene, we're going to break down this topic of guilt and shame. And most of our time today, I think, is going to kind of be spent on the shame part. 
Um, but we will get unique perspectives and just really dive into why these things weigh us down and how to break free from the stigma of shame. When we return to Love Hello, Talk, friends, and right welcome back to Love Talk. You've found the Love Ladies. I'm Coach Carrie, and I'm in studio today with my beautiful co-host, Kathy Endebrock and Marlene McMichael. And we are so grateful that you have found us today. There's a reason you're here, friends. There's a reason that you're hearing our voices over the airwaves today as we discuss shedding the stigma of shame. So it's important for us, I think, to break down um, the definitions of both guilt and shame as we begin our conversation today, because I I think sometimes we use these words interchangeably. And I, I, from the research that I've done, I, I want to break these two words apart. So let's start with guilt. Guilt is a focus on behavior, right? My behavior was wrong. I made a poor decision. That was not good. (laughs) Um, And I violated some kind of objective or moral standard that that I have probably set for myself. Um, And guilt is kind of me against that standard. And so maybe you feel guilty for something that you've done or something that you haven't done. Like I did poorly on a test. Oh man, I shouldn't have stayed up last night watching YouTube videos. I probably should have studied for that test, right? Um, or I should have called that friend back. Man, I know she's really struggling, but I knew it was going to be a 30-minute conversation and I just didn't feel like I had time. And so I feel guilty about that. Or man, I, I could have handled that disagreement with my husband a bit better. I should probably go and and tell him that I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. Um, Shame on the other, on the other hand is slippery. I kind of feel like, y'all know when you break an egg and you get a little piece of the shell into the the egg mixture Mm -hmm. and then you cannot get the shell out of there. It just slips around. Um, It's just super squishy and you keep reaching for it, but you can't quite grab it. I feel like that's shame. We want to rid it of our lie out of our lives, but sometimes we have trouble grabbing it. Guilt is a focus on behavior and shame is a focus on self. I made a bad decision and so I am bad. I am a horrible human. Or this thing happened to me that I had no control over and it's making me feel as if I am not enough. I am not enough. Shame grows, I think, in secrecy and in silence. And it grows because we are, we are afraid we are going to be judged for that thing. And it eats us up, especially when it involves other people. Something, something must be wrong with me. I must be a horrible human. And so I I just feel like the main difference between guilt and shame is that one makes you see yourself as a bad person. Shame Mm -hmm. makes you see yourself as a bad person. Where guilt implies, I'm a good person. I just made a bad choice. Shame is unhealthy, especially when it's not resolved. Um, And and I think it can just lead to this loss of self-esteem over time, which causes all these other issues in our lives. And so, girls, you know, as we as we explore this topic of guilt and shame, can either one of you or both of you give us some personal examples um, of a time where you felt guilty or you felt ashamed of something or about something? Well, I often feel guilty for not calling my mom, but she assures me that's very healthy. But she's my Jewish mother. So I, I, I just, I, I say that just in jest. But uh, she's typical Jewish mom that daughters are supposed to call their moms, and they are supposed to feel guilty when they do not, because that is Jesus working in their hearts <laughs> to drive them to call their mothers. But no, on more serious, I will tell you something that um, I, I have had that I look back on with uh, regret and almost just embarrassment. So I had this really, and I, I do have now still, but not to the same extent. I had this very dear friend. We were 
absolute best friends in high school. We've stayed connected over the years. And, um, you know, we would visit each other when our kids were little. She is very, very different. We are very, very different. Um, but we've always uh, remained close. And there had been a period where we hadn't seen each other in, gosh, about five years. And so we had made plans. I was going home to New Mexico for Christmas where she only lived four hours away because we lived very far away from each other. And um, But I was going home to New Mexico. She was only four hours away. And her parents only lived about 40 minutes from where my parents lived in New Mexico. So she was going to come down and visit with me, and then she was going to go visit her parents. And so we had bought Christmas gifts for each other. We were getting really excited to see each other. And she called me the night before she was supposed to come out, and she said, I am not going to make it. She says, I have been, she says, I haven't told you about this, but I've really been struggling with depression. And she says, it's been going on for a while now. I am getting help, but I can't, I can't put too much on my plate because it just doesn't go well for me. And so she said, I, I cannot come out and see you. And I'm so very sorry. And, um, and we talked a little bit about, you know, what she thought had maybe brought on the depression and what was going on. And I, I, I thought, well, gosh, is there any way that I could get time away from my parents, drive the four hours to where she is, spend some time and then drive the four hours back. And, and I just told her, I said, I just, I, I can't get that time away. All my family has come to New Mexico because we've come down with all the kiddos. And she said, no, 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 look, she just wasn't in a good place anyway. And it wouldn't be good for me to go and see her. So I resolved, okay, as soon as I get back home, I'm going to be texting her scriptures. I'm going to be sending her just cards of encouragement. I'm going to be giving her calls and just supporting her and encouraging her through this. Well, um, I hung up the phone. I went back to my family. We celebrated Christmas, and I completely forgot. I forgot about the conversation. I forgot about her. I forgot everything for six months. Mm. I completely forgot and then I saw I was going through Facebook and all of a sudden everything came back to me and I felt so ashamed. I felt, you know, mm-hmm. like because I've always struggled with being a good friend. Like I I am typically mm-hmm. a horrible, horrible friend. And I, I mm-hmm. it's been one of my challenges in life. And it was like the enemy sitting on my shoulder again saying, yep, because you are just not a good friend. You know, mm. of course you forgot. Of course you discounted what was going on in her life. Of course you didn't. You probably forgot on purpose. It had nothing to do with your schedule and the kids and the drive back and everything else going on. You you should have cared more about others. And and I just did not even know what to say. I didn't know how to approach mm. her. And I, I called and I left a message on her phone and I said, I, you know, I, I don't know how, but I completely forgot and I feel miserable and I don't know where you're at. I don't know how you're doing, but call me. I would love to chat. Well, of course, she did not call me back. I think she was very, very hurt. And I've left a few more messages on her cell phone and, you know, they just haven't been returned. Mm-hmm. And and for, I did for a while carry a lot of guilt and shame around that until mm-hmm. I finally I, I finally said, I am not perfect. And a lot of times, yes, I do fail as a friend. Absolutely. I fail at so many things every single week. Um, but this is not healthy for me to carry. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I went to the Lord and I, I did. I asked for forgiveness. I continue to pray for her. I pray for her, her wholeness and her wellness and her just mental joy and, um, but yeah, so that's kind of been mm. my one big area that I kind of went through and struggled with for, you know, probably a couple of years before God really helped bring me through that on the other side. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Kathy. I think there's elements of your story that we can certainly all identify with. And I, I want to be, be, um, super clear here that, you know, you were ashamed for a while about your behavior. Um, and then when you took it to the Lord and said, Lord, I just, man, I, I'm sorry about this. And you called your friend and you apologized. 
that's where we start to be able to move forward from, I'm not a bad person. I struggle in this area, and hopefully this can be a learning experience for me. And so that is so healthy, Kathy, how you, how you handled that. Um, and I think all of us can, can identify in many ways with your story. Okay, Marlene, what about you? Do you have anything you'd like to share about guilt or shame? Yes, but first, Kathy, you're a great friend. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, I was just going to share a little story that happened this week. And, you know, I was at the grocery store very busy. And I, I think I told you earlier that I've really tried to reconnect with family and, and take time to check in on people. And uh, since being retired, because I, you know, I always use the excuse before that, well, I was working full time. You know, and right. so and and I worked a lot of hours. And so, you know, I was sort of um, I think, Carrie, uh, Carrie, you said this in some of your notes is that, you know, shame can make you isolate. Well, I was working, so I just isolated more. And and so I didn't reach out to people I really cared about. And I figured if, if they wanted to talk to me, they'd call me. <laughs> but this week I was at the grocery store and um you know, and I was really busy and I mean, I was running late and um, a lady walked out of the store and she just started chatting with me and I could instantly tell she really needed to talk. And yet I made light of the conversation, got in my car and left. And I was really disappointed in myself, ashamed of myself for not taking the time to communicate with her and see what I sensed was the problem. And uh, so, so that's a recent incident. But what I will say is that in reaching out to people, you, you know, and moving past that withdrawal, so to speak, you so feed your own soul. Um, I mean, I had a conversation last night with a family member for an hour and it was just so much fun. And I just, I, I guess I'm, I, I, as, as what we're trying to get at, we move past the shame and, um, and can overcome that by, by doing things maybe we're not comfortable with doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think there's also a deeper level of shame, and I know we're going to talk about that, that just kind of latches onto you and, and tries to make to the only word I can think of is scuttle what God has planned for you to, yeah. to let you not live to your potential. Well, this week at the grocery store, I didn't live to my potential, mm-hmm. but I am going to be better. <laughs> and I believe mm-hmm. that God can take that and make it a lesson that's lifelong. Right. Right. You know, and I, I think that, um, you know, these are, uh, such great examples. And Marlene, you've always been so warm and so um, kind. Um, I'm, I'm sure that that incident did affect you deeply. Um, and then you were able to reflect on that. You know, friends, um, there's a lot of times whenever there's situations like this, right? Like where we can just call and we can try to make it better. Um, where we can sit down and go, okay, goodness, Lord, man, I messed up right there. I'm going to do better next time. What about those situations where you've done something where you can't call and make it better? There's no, there's no, there's no way to make it better. Um, you just have to sit and know that this is a mess, right? Those situations are really hard. And um, I don't know when this was, but a few months back, we had a guest on the program, and I don't even remember who it was, that said, and, and I, I, can, I need to look back at my notes, because I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere. Kathy, you probably did, too, in your, in your uh, big old file cabinet of notes. But this guest said, we can always find ourselves, our situation in the Bible. Go find it. Go find someone who's struggling with what you're struggling with. And so as I got into this research about guilt and shame, um, I found lots of examples in the Bible of people who 
brought on their own shame and then people who did not bring on their own shame. And I want to be very clear here, friends. There's a lot of very horrific things that can happen to a person that you you had nothing to do with what happened to you. Sex trafficking victims. That sweet, sweet child who is abused by their uncle. And it happens over and over and over again. You did absolutely nothing to bring that on. And yet here you sit in your shame because you're, you're so sad. You're so afraid somebody's going to find out about what happened to you and you just don't know how to move forward. And then there's times that we bring it on ourselves. Like, um, the first example I have, of course, is our good buddies, Adam and Eve. Um, here we are in Genesis three and Adam and Eve, um, have, well, Eve has partaken in the apple of wisdom and then hands it to Adam and he partakes. And then all of a sudden they realize that they're naked, right? And, um, <laughs> shame has plagued us since Adam and Eve bit into that fruit and realized they were naked. And it says in scripture that they hid, that they were ashamed. They hid from each other. They hid from God. Hmm. Here we are thousands of years later, and we're still doing the same things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We hide. Um, they understood that they were guilty before God and they were vulnerable to each other now. And they were now vulnerable to Satan, the enemy, in a whole new horrible way. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we can look 2000 years ago and still well, longer ago than that and <clears throat> still see that we're still perpetuating mm -hmm. these same habits, these same tendencies that Adam and Eve did. Um, Kathy, what about another biblical example? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love King David. And, you know, I one mm -hmm. thing I love about, so, you know, when I think of Adam and Eve, I also think about the blame game, like Adam's trying to shift blame. Yeah. Nobody wants yes. to carry that guilt, right? And and the, right. a really good indication that there is guilt or shame somewhere is that blame is happening, right? So mm -hmm. stop the blame. Let's identify what truly is going on with that guilt of shame and guilt and shame, and let's address it. But when I think of King David, so here is this king over Israel, the most powerful man in the land, and he he loves the Lord. He he sings praises to the Lord. He has written so many different psalms, and and he has delivered Israel. God has used David to deliver Israel out of the hands of, of their enemies. And David is revered as a man of God. He's actually referred to in Scripture, God refers to him as a man after God's own heart. So a very godly, respected, revered king. And yet David, King David... He uses and abuses that power in this one incident that we see in chapter 11 of the book of 2 Samuel. Um, David goes out and uses his power to sleep with another man's wife. And then she becomes pregnant. And out of, out of his own fear of exposing what he has done and taking responsibility of what he has done, he then arranges to have that wife's husband murdered, a man who had been faithful to David in, uh, in every way, a, a man of great character and strong morals uh, who loved his wife. David um, has him murdered. And so now David is an adulterer and a murderer. But yet he somehow thinks if everyone else doesn't know about it, he, he can kind of excuse it away. Well, God sends the prophet Nathan, and Nathan can't even confront David with what he's done. Nathan has to tell David a parable and have David, David gets incensed with this parable with the, the guy who has done evil <clears throat> in this parable. And, and David basically pronounces judgment over this vile person in the in in this parable and the prophet Nathan says 
David, you're the you're the vile person in this parable. It's you. You are the one who has done all of this. And Nathan enabled David to get <clears throat> to see his own actions for what they were. And David feels extreme shame and extreme guilt. But he doesn't shift that to anyone else. He takes responsibility and goes straight to God's throne. It takes him a little while. Yeah. He, he, we're going to explore this in a little bit, but he literally becomes physically ill because he is trying to hide and cover up. And only when he starts to bring everything to the Lord and genuinely repent, does he start to see that he, he, he gets better. Um, but we're, we're going to look at that down the road. All right. So there's two examples of people who've brought on their own situation. Okay, now, Marlene, what about some more examples? Um, I love this. I love bringing um, examples from the Bible to show us that we're not alone. Well, yes, and and I want to talk about the the woman at the well. Uh, This is in John 4, and she has really two issues going on. The first is that she's been married five times. So, yes, she brought that on herself. And um, and Jesus points that out when she meets him at the well. But the other is that she's a Samaritan and she flat out when Jesus asked her for a drink of water and she came right about midday when probably the well wasn't very occupied. And Jesus was alone there because his disciples had gone off to do something else. And uh, but she comes in and she he asked her for a drink of water and she says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't talk to each other. So there was, to me, almost a, a double shame because the Samaritans in the mind of a Jew were not holy or worthy people. And um, she also had been married five times. And so, again, Jesus points out that points that out to her. But he also tells her um You know, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what that tells me is God really doesn't care about our background. (laughs) What he wants is us to ask of him cleansing, refreshment, all of the things that... um, you know, only God can give us healing. Um, only God can give us that. And um, the hemorrhaging woman in Luke 8 um, is the story of only God can give it even when he doesn't even know he's being asked. Of it. I, this is this is an incredible story to me. This is, you know, when when a woman in, in Israel had blood flow, she was considered unclean. And so this woman had been hemorrhaging for years and had been to doctors and no, nobody could fix the situation. And But she was too embarrassed and too ashamed because, again, she was unclean. Um, so she goes up in the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is instantly healed. That says God is not, again, not a respecter of the, the kinds of things that we put on people that says they're not worthy. He he considers us all worthy if we believe in him. And she believed in him. And Jesus told the woman at the well, if you ask it of me, if you ask it of the one who gives refreshing water, I'll give it. You know, I mean, I'll give give that kind of peace and healing and refreshment that is um, part of what God is all about in our lives. Um, you know, shame to me is something that is um, debilitating, and it is it it takes our worst fears and our worst anxieties about who we are and tries to make them real in our minds. And the more we believe that the more we succumb to it. And you're right. That is largely the story of, of traffic victims and others who have been abused. It's because they're constantly told that's all they're good for. And Jesus's story is more than 180 degrees out from that. I mean, it's his story is that we are his children and he loves us. 
You know, friends, we're going to talk more about guilt and shame. What words are you listening to? What words are running through your head? We're going to talk more about that and more of how we can get rid of this horrible, heavy burden and go straight to the throne of God to receive the mercy and the grace that he has for us. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with you. Stay with us for Love Talk. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk. You're here with the love ladies. Coach Carrie here with Marlene and Kathy. So great to have you guys with us. Boy, we are just diving into this topic of shame, guilt, shedding the stigma of shame. And we've looked at these examples from the Bible of people. And remember, friends, these are real people. These are real occurrences. These aren't just made up fairy tale stories. And we can find ourselves when we look, um, we can find ourselves in scripture and possibly one of these stories resonates with you. You know, we saw um, a tornado of shame, this whirlwind of regret with Adam and Eve, with David, with the woman at the well who went to the well when she knew nobody would be there. You know, we all tend to hide as we are in this um, cycle of shame. The bleeding woman, bless her, she didn't want to draw attention to herself. She was just so uncomfortable and embarrassed all the time. So Kathy and Marlene, we see these examples of hiding here in the Bible, in scripture. But as 21st century Americans, how, how do we hide our shame? What are our tendencies? Oh, let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it, it, you know, you put forth that perfect persona on Instagram, on Facebook. And, you know, even I, I think it's so funny. I had a Zoom meeting the other day and there was this perfect picture of the gal I was having the Zoom meeting with, with perfect hair and perfect makeup. And, um, and I, I would just had, I, you know, I had mine on video feed and she said, you know, just today I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and, and you get to look at the best of me. And I'm like, okay, I will look at the best of you. But I was thinking, okay, I just want to see the real you. I just want to have a conversation mm-hmm. right where you're at. And I think there is this this expectation that we um, look perfect or be perfect or, and when we don't live up to this expectation, all of a sudden we feel like, oh, we are falling short. And so I think we also, as women of God, as daughters of the King, I think ladies, we have to be really careful about those expectations that we put on others, you know? And um, I think that if, you know, coming forward and sitting with a group of ladies, I it's good to look nice. It's good to put on a special outfit, but then let's go into that with just being genuine and not, not carrying this perfect facade and, um, and let's engage. Let's not stay disengaged, hiding behind what we might put on social media. Let's, let, let's step into those relationships, those face-to-face relationships. Yeah, I agree. Um, Marlene, um, how do you, what are your tendencies to hide whenever you're, uh, whenever you're feeling some guilt or some shame? What, what, what's your go-to? I think it's to withdraw. Um, it, you know, and, and we can hide portions of ourselves that nobody sees, you know, and I, I think, you know, I, I sometimes say I'm schizophrenic because <laughs> in a professional life, I, I have no fear. Uh, in a personal life, that's not always the case. And it's partly because of my background. Um, so we can hide certain insecurities or certain shortcomings or just the life that we've lived because it was dealt to us that way. Uh, and we can hide it. And, you know, I think in some of your materials, you, you found out that, you know, men and women tend to, um, do that in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. perhaps a man becomes angry and, and abusive because he's hiding insecurity. 
um, we just kind of, as women, I think, tend to withdraw within ourselves and not show the real us. And to because we're afraid if we show that real self, um, somebody might not like it. <laughs> we we tend to shrink. Yes. Right. As women, yes. we shrink. You yes. know. And boy, bless us. Because we should never shrink. I can't tell you how many conversations this year with my basketball team, you know, comprised of um, under 18-year-olds, 18, 18 to 15-year-olds, and how I just encourage them to not shrink ever. You know, God made us in a certain way, and he made us to be to use these talents and abilities to glorify him. You know, I think for me, when I hide, I, I kind of hide behind kind of like you, um, Marlene, my, my professional uh, facade, right? Because I, I'm joyful. I'm outgoing. I'm, I've got a big personality. I seem to have it all together. You know, I hide behind that and I want that to be who I am every day, all day. But when I get home and I'm dealing with something that I don't want anybody else to know about, uh, shame, regret, guilt, I tend to hide behind busyness, like I'll clean the house or, you know, or sometimes I hide behind procrastination. Like <laughs> I just, I, I cannot gather myself. I'm literally spent, right? I've put on my facade, I've gone out there. I've done all my joyful things. I've been big. I've helped all the people in all the ways. And now I come home and I cannot physically do one more thing. So, Carrie, are you saying that you're just like, it's not just the dust bunnies that are getting like brushed under the rug? Like, you know, I just think of the whole thing about just when you're cleaning, it's like you if you can't deal with what's right in front of you, you can't deal with the shame. You just shove it under, you stick it under, you hide it under something pretty. And, you know, I think some of us may carry that shame like a backpack on our backs. That's always weighing us down. And, um, you know, or we'll, we, you know, put on our best appearances feeling ugly underneath. And I just, I love the scripture that we have that says that we can go to God's throne and that it is a throne of grace, but yet we then have to receive the mercy and grace that he gives. Yes. And I think so many times we say, oh, well, I went in prayer and it didn't help. Well, you, you did go to a throne of grace. Did you not receive the mercy and the grace that were yours to receive? Because when you walk away from God's throne of, of, of grace, you should feel and have received the mercy and grace that is there to where, you know, you you pull back the carpet. You, you know, you take off that backpack of shame and you hand it over to him not to pick up again. And um I, I think we have to stop hiding. We have to stop putting these things in the darkness. We have to stop avoiding people and we have to start pressing in. And, and the thing that's interesting to me is that particularly if the shame came upon a person in their youth, they may not know how to go to the throne of grace and receive it. You know, I, I know it was just a Facebook story that's passed around. Don't know whether it was true or not, but it was a story that a friend wrote. Or, or she didn't write it. She just forwarded it. But it was about a young man who, who looked normal, but he was in the pharmacy trying to get meds for drug addiction. And people were, I mean, obviously he said that out loud and the pharmacist was kind of like, putting light on the fact that this is a drug addict, you know, or, and, and treating him with less than respect. And people were looking at him and he said, the, the, the man said, I just made a mistake and I'm trying to rectify that, but I need my drugs. How much are they? And let me pay for them and I'll leave. And he gave him a price and it was too much money. So somebody else paid for it. But, but in this conversation, while he was getting such, um, intense rejection from everybody around him. He said, but my mama loves me. Mm -hmm. And I, it just struck my heart how often we say things to young people and we wound them and it creates that little 
that little seed of shame that when things happen grows because that's what the devil does. <laughs> he tries to make us ashamed and shamed and uh, God is all grace and he heals that. But sometimes we don't know how to get there. And so I'm, I'm hoping that at the, that the end of this will have those keys. <laughs> well, you know, you know, friends, listening friends, uh, sometimes this happens. We have planned a program and we were supposed to wrap this all up in a tidy little bow today, but that did not happen because, um, this topic is so prevalent in all of our lives. So we'd like to give you some encouragement because next week we will follow up with this beautiful prayer by King David. Now remember, he is dealing with not only being an adulterer and fathering a child outside of wedlock and um, an accomplice in murder. He's dealing with all of this. And what I want you to see in each example that we've given you today from Scripture, God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. He says, yeah, you messed up, but I love you. I love you. Please receive this gift that I've given you. So I would encourage you, if if anything today has resonated with you, go to Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, you will see a beautiful depiction of how David is convicted. He's repentant, and he's looking to the Lord for all the right reasons, for forgiveness and grace and mercy and ways to move forward with his life. You might feel stuck today, friends, and and I know that, and I feel you. I get it deeply. Go to Psalm 51, and next week, Kathy and Marlene and I will help you hopefully wrap this up in ways um, that are healthy and in ways where you feel like you are loved. Friends, here on Love Talk, we do love you. And I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader, and for my friends Kathy Enderbrock and Marlene McMichael, we will see you next week right here on Love Talk.